All right, so <laughs> we are going to go into our spiritual transition game. Well, before we do, oh, let me play this clip. So, so for the question that was asked about do I, do I, uh, how do I handle the, the closing, if I can find where my mouse is. So this is, this is from the Super Bowl, and this is basically how I handled with, uh, with this gentleman. I think his name was Christopher, if I correctly, but how, to, how the, the closing of, of uh, you know, after sharing the message when he wanted to repent. Okay. Okay, what did you do when you set his thing up? VGA shouldn't affect the sound. Okay, you think that's it? Then you would understand why you need the shot. Die in our place. There was no. People will be held accountable for all the sins that they committed against God. Chris, Jesus Christ left heaven. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no starvation. There was no suffering. All the angels singing his praises. And he left that place to come to earth for one purpose to live a life as a perfect man and die in our place. To pay an eternal fine that you and I owe because we're both guilty. You understand that? Yes, sir. And he did that so you can have everlasting life. But here's what we have to do. We have to stop trusting ourselves as a good person. And we have to trust what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago as the only payment. Do you understand that? Yes, yes, I do. So what God says we have to do is we have to call out to him, ask for forgiveness for what we did wrong, stop trusting ourselves, and trust in him. Do you understand that? Yes, yes. And that's how we are converted, that we, we cry out for forgiveness and we trust in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, what do you think about what I'm sharing with you? I think that you are a God-sent person to try to you know, bring knowledge to the, to the world, and please bring it to me, and to let me know that I do have a loving and a forgiving God. You do, and, and he, he proved it 2,000 years ago, and he died on a cross for you and I, and so he offers you eternal life. Now, the two things you have to do is repent, that means to turn from trusting yourself, and then put faith in Christ and receive Jesus Christ by trusting what he did. So it's to repent and believe, or repent and, and receive. Yes, when do you think you should do that? As soon as possible, like now. Like now. Yeah. Is there anything that would stop you right now from crying out to God right now here on the streets and asking him for forgiveness? No. Would you Would you do that on camera? Yes, I would. Yeah, all right. We'll keep the camera on. Let, let's pray. You pray and then I'll pray after you. Yes, sir. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed day that you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for bringing this gentleman to me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me. And, Lord, I just want to repent for everything that I have done. But, Lord, just keep your watching hand and lovable hands on me and my family, Lord, that we may be better in your eye and in what you are willing for me to do for you. And in your blessed name, I say this, Lord. Amen. So after that, I prayed for him. Backstory for that, Andrew, was he, did he seem like he had a Christian background? Did he seem like he was already uh, soft or open? Did he go from hostility to openness? Um, don't remember uh, his full background um, enough to remember whether he was, you know, I mean, I remember when we started 
it, it started out with the, the joking around. I, I, that's the same guy who was in the one with the wife who were, he was saying, have you ever lied? Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, <clears throat> and so, and it was interesting because the wife ended up, as we got to the gospel, the wife kind of moved away and he moved closer. And so that's why he ended up not seeing the wife at that point. Mm. I do remember that, but I, I don't remember his, his background so much. All right. Do you want to introduce us to spiritual transition game? We could do that. All right. That's what's next. It is. You, you have nothing else that you want to surprise me with or something? No. You sure? Yes. Uh. So what do you want me to do? Introduce what the spiritual transition game is. Oh, I thought is. you were going to do that. No, that's your, it's your job. You should transition that better. <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual transition game is really simple. It's a game that I, uh, I, I turned into a game, but it, it wasn't originally. Um, it started with my pastor who, um, when we would have leadership training in the church, he believed that everyone should be able to turn any conversation into a spiritual one. And so you would sit in the leadership training and he would drop a set of keys on the table and he'd call you out by name and say, go. And you had to take the keys and turn it into a spiritual transition. Next week, he may sit there and put a glass of milk on the, on the table or tell you to go from a door or whatever. And the goal was to really to, to learn not to sit there and say, oh, Lord, please open a door for me. Um, <clears throat> someone asked me, you know, how do you do that when you, when you have friends and family, how do you transition to the gospel? And, you know, and the issue is most of us are waiting for an opportunity, right? We wait for some really big opportunity. You know, like someone says, so how do I get saved? And then we say, Lord, we need a bigger opportunity. Like, make it really clear. <laughs> no, the reality is you don't need to wait. I believe, and this is how I was trained, that you can take any conversation and transition it into the gospel. Not just spiritual, but the gospel. And so, so that's what we look to do with this game. We made a game out of it so that we can enjoy playing it. And so we, I do, especially with, like, the youth, is I, we'd sit around before youth group, and we would just throw an object or give something, and everyone had to try to come up with a way to transition from whatever given to the gospel. Now, um, how many folks listen to the Rap Report podcast? You sort of listen? Listen to one. Okay. Have you listened to the long one, the weekly one, the one-hour one? Okay. So at the end of almost, almost all of them, we play this game. So if you haven't subscribed to the rap report, what in the world are you waiting for? <sighs> so, but I try to do this every week. When we used to do our live classes, uh, before class I used to do this. I have no idea what's coming. And I have to transition to the gospel and people get to watch it or listen to it as I struggle. Um, but the thing is this, my pastor got so good at this, we rented a seven-day Adventist church. And there was a problem with the Seventh-day Adventist churches that we had fruit bats. And in the middle of his sermon, a bat came from I don't know where and started circling the auditorium. What did every single person do? <laughs> right? They all were watching the bat and their heads are spinning in circles. And, and finally, you know, my pastor took that bat 
and made it an illustration of the point that he was just making. Three people came up to me after church and said, did you release the bat? <laughs> they, they assumed that, he, that the bat was part of his illustration. Just like you assumed that Justin and I were collaborating on that last thing. Based on good evidence <laughs> after what you just played for everybody. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Is it, does my argument seem rational? Okay. They know you well. <laughs> Should we do a show of hands, see who, who believes you Are we more? ready to play this game? <laughs> so, so the way we're gonna, we play the game is this. <clears throat> Jim, I guess, at first is going to give me something. I don't trust him. I'm going to do a couple of them. I'm going to give oh, you a couple, a couple subjects. Yeah. He's probably been thinking about them for a while, too. Uh, he's going to try and stump me. And my, my job is to try to transition from whatever he gives me to the gospel. And sometimes, I'm going to, sometimes it takes me a while. It, sometimes, and this is what happens when you have conversations. It takes a while to maneuver a conversation until you can figure out the right way to transition it. But that's the thing. My goal is always the gospel. I'm just trying to figure out how to take what they say. Now, let me give you encouragement before he gives me son. The reason for playing the game is you get better at this, okay? I've gotten really good only because I've been practicing for 30 years. So people have come up to me at conferences. I had a woman come up to me at conferences. She's like, artichoke hearts, gospel, go. And like with a whole bunch of people sitting there, they're like, what is she saying? <laughs> they didn't know. And so sometimes that happens. Uh, but the thing is, I had to transition from an ambulance to a, um, an ambulance siren to a spiritual conversation at one time. And I remembered what I said. And I was in New York and, I, and there was an ambulance or a fire truck that went by and they heard the siren. I remembered my spiritual transition from before and I said, Hey, you know what? I am trying to be like a, that siren to you right now. I'm giving a warning that you need to pay attention to something. That got his attention back to me. Just like my pastor took the bat that had everyone's attention and brought it back to the message. That's really what, what I try to do with it. And now I'm trying to really run the time so that Jim doesn't have time. Yeah, so to we're going to get onto it. So I've got two of them. And then after I've given my two and Andrew has made this transition, then we'll go around the room and see if anybody else has a subject and try to make it as unrelated to the gospel as you can, but a subject that you are likely to encounter in your daily life, okay? Because what we want to do is show you how you can have normal conversations about everyday things that can trans transition right into a spiritual conversation. Okay, so here is my first one. You and, and I are sitting at a construction and I, site. And I put up some verses so folks can see this oh, is where Christ does it, Christ and Paul. Those are two examples. Yeah, to try and spiritualize everything. Okay, so here we go. First Let me one. give another slide. <laughs> All right, first, first one. You and I are sitting at a construction site. You ask me what it is that my wife packed me for lunch today, and I tell you it's a tuna fish sandwich and sweet and uh, sweet uh, sour cream potato chips. You don't even know what you sour had cream for and chives. lunch. Sour cream and chives potato chips, a tuna sandwich and potato chips. Transition from a tuna sandwich and potato chips to the gospel. Well, first off, I'm having a hard time believing that you'd remember to take this lunchbox with you. <laughs> Seems like I might be right there. <laughs> so uh, the tuna fish sandwich and chips, huh? Yep. All right. So, um, you know, the thing that we, we end up seeing, you know, we are bound, whether we like it or not, to eating, aren't we? I mean, we, we, if you think about it, we can't go too long without eating before our body kind of just collapses and, and lets us know we need to eat. 
it's something where uh, you end up, for anyone who has gone long periods of times without eating, you, you have every part of your body is craving the food. And, and the reality is, is that that's part of really something that happens all over the universe is that there's this, there's, there's an, a form of entropy that occurs. But the thing is, is that when we think about it, as our body is craving food, there's other things our body craves, whether we like it or not. Many of us would like to eat less, but our body craves the food. Well, the other thing that our body, our flesh craves is to do things that we know are wrong. I mean, don't we all do bad habits? We know we call them bad habits, and we, we want to do good, but we seem to do a lot more bad, even when we don't want to do it. And there's a reason we do that. We do that because of the fact that even though we think we're good people, we actually are sinners in God's sight. We break his law. And we need him to pay a fine for us as the only means of salvation. That good? Okay, here's the next one. I'm reading a book on the development of basket weaving in 12th century Scotland. Is there such a book? I'm reading it. it must be there. <laughs> Did you write it too? No. Basket weaving in 12th century Scotland. Well, first off, I didn't even know they had uh, a book on basket weaving in, in 12th century Scotland. So, it's, so I'm, I'm really would be interested to to read such a book. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you had point coming up. So, you know, if you, if you look at basket weaving, there are the, the, the even if you think about it though, we we end up just having to find ways as human beings to build tools to help us with things. Uh, you, you don't see this with animals. You don't see um, animals building baskets so that they can carry things. In fact, we use animals to carry the baskets once we fill them up with stuff. But the reality is you do not see animals doing that. There is a, as much as people don't agree with it in our culture, there's a difference between animals and humans. And the re one way we can see that is the fact that we develop tools. We have things like morality, and we have a consciousness. We, we think of others. I mean, I've, I've seen plenty of people with save the whale signs. I've never seen whales with the save the human signs. And, and we need saving. But the reality is, is that we are created different than the animals. We are created special in God's sight whether you believe in God or not, that you can see that distinction in the fact that we are different than the animals. They don't do the things we do. And so when we look at that, we can see that we have a knowledge of God's existence. Every single one of us knows that it exists. And some of us suppress that in unrighteousness because we're enemies of his. But because we're his enemy, we are not going to get right with him by doing good works or trying to be a good person. We get right with him by what he did 2,000 years ago when he came to earth, died on a cross, in our place, and that when we repent, turn from trusting ourselves as a good person, but trust in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. Very well. From basket weaving to the gospel. <laughs> Do we have something, uh, another example? Except and I'll Justin. repeat it. Yes, go ahead. Okay, okay so let me, I'll let me, let me, are you going to repeat, repeat it? it? No, you go ahead. Okay, he's talking with his neighbor, and he's telling him about a girl that he met that is, he's going to have a move in with him. So, well, I mean, there, when it's conversational, right, you're going, you're going to tend to ask a lot more questions, right, of the relationship or not. But in a case like that, I don't want to get to the gospel. Um, instead of jumping right to 
the adultery issue, which would be a you know, quick jump to sin, right? Um, how would I do it? I think I would do, if I was talking to a neighbor, um, I, would, I would talk to I'd ask him about you know, why he's looking to have her move in because there could be a couple different reasons. It could be financial reasons. It could be that, oh, well, we love each other, which is typically what they're going to say. Uh, the issue is, you know, it's interesting that so many people want to move in with one another without the commitment of marriage because they, they want to be able to supposedly enjoy the benefits without any consequences, which really kind of pictures what most of our society is. I mean, if you think about a lot of the problems we have in society, um, we have people that, that want to have uh, relationships without the consequence of children, so they, they support abortion. You have people who, who you know, want to ignore the fact that when they do things wrong and they'll turn to, to alcohol or things like that. And, and really what it is is we, we're avoiding that, the, the commitment of doing what's right and, and knowing that we're doing wrong is our conscience pricking us to the fact that we're accountable to God. We don't like that idea. I understand that. But we all know that we're accountable to him. And this is why we try to create situations where we have no consequences for what we do. And, and I, so I just want you to think about this because I, I know what you're doing, it makes sense to you and it seems right, but you're going to be accountable to God on judgment day for the things you do. And if she moves in with you and you are going to, you know, commit adultery um, and fornication, then you're going to have to give an account to God. And I, I care for you. You know, I love you as my neighbor and I, I wouldn't want to see that for you. So I want you to know how you can ha have eternal life. And, and that only comes through one person. And that's almighty God who came to earth as a man, Jesus Christ. He died in our place so he could be free from the guilt of sin and that we, we can have eternal life in him that we could have forgiveness of sin. Another one? Seth. No. He just watched a great movie called Shrek. Have you seen it? Yeah. I'm pop culture illiterate. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't watch too many. So what's Shrek about? An ogre? And a donkey. Shrek, Shrek is about an ogre and a donkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please tell me this is a cartoon or something. It is. Okay, good. At least... <laughs> I mean, we used to have Mr. Ed, right, the talking horse, for those of us who are, you know, just dated ourselves. Those who went, huh, okay, we know how old you are. Okay, so you want me to go from Shrek, a talking donkey, and, a, and an ogre? Which one was Shrek, or are they neither Shrek? The ogre was Shrek. Uh, what's the talking donkey's name? Donkey? Wow, how original. The donkey's name is Donkey. <laughs> Someone very creative came up with that. Justin, you weren't writing the plot for that. I mean, donkey named donkey, Justin Peters Ministries. I'm just... <laughs> so, so there's a... a talk, uh, is he talking donkey and a talking ogre? Well, okay. So I have to figure out the plot here. Um, what is the plot, actually? <laughs> is there a plot like that? Okay, so the ogre is trying to get the princess from the castle because someone was trying to take over his land? Okay, so, so basically your classic damsel in distress who needs someone to save her, but this time it's not Prince Charming. He's an ogre. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
You know, it's interesting. Now, notice, you know, you can look at that and you see that parallel. I mean, there's so many of that. The, you see the stranded person, a person in need who needs someone to, to help and save them, right? And it's a common theme that you end up seeing in a lot of movies. Whether it is an ogre or Prince Charming that's doing the saving, <clears throat> the reality is, is that we see a common theme in a lot of movies and a lot of life where we look for someone who comes in to save the day when the person who's in distress cannot save themselves. There's a reason I think that we, excuse me, we see that so much is because when we look at our own selves, we, we kind of recognize that we are in need of someone to help us. And sometimes we don't want to admit it, but the reality is we all know in the depths of our heart, whether we want to let that be known to others or not, that we know from our conscience that we break the laws of God. And in doing so, we'd be accountable. And we, we come up with all kinds of different fairy tales to, to kind of suppress that so we don't have to think about it. We come up with fairy tales like frogs that can become princes, just give them a million years instead of a kiss. I call that a fairy tale. But the reality is, is that we, we have this where we have this notion where someone needs to do the saving outside of us. And that's because that's exactly what we need. Our conscience tells us we break God's law. We need someone other than us to save us. And that someone is Jesus Christ, who's almighty God and came to earth and died in our place. And rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And Yeah, and rode in. <laughs> there we go. I don't see, no, I don't oh, see uh, that hand. Uh, that's I how see, I would have got there. No, I don't see that hand. Well, how, no, how would you have gone from the Shrek? Man, the man hold in on, the back. hold on. How would you have gone from Shrek I would to, have the done to the I would have done, uh, um, let me see. You know what's not a fairy tale? It's the message of the gospel. Have you ever heard that? Thomas. Okay, I, so I played this game with, with no, Ray Comfort. That's okay. You went there just a way I, I played this route. game with Ray Comfort, right? I, I, so I tried playing it, I should say, with Ray Comfort. I forget what I gave him. It doesn't matter what you give him. Okay? Ray, can you go from Shrek to the gospel? So speaking about Shrek, do you consider yourself to be a good person? <laughs> Only Ray gets away with that. Thomas. Go. So you're giving Justin Peters CPR, you're deaf, and I'm a mute. Is there a reason that you're deaf and I'm a mute plays into this? Just give him the CPR. Do you, do you know CPR? Well, then I'm going to push you out of the way and do the CPR myself because he needs saving. Because after what he just did, that sinful act of donating... Um, <laughs> Shows that he needs he, he needs Christ in his life. <laughs> okay, so on a more serious note. <laughs> so so someone giving CPR. I mean, the reality is that you know when you think about CPR, our, our body. And it took people to discover this, but you you know we have ways of being able to where years and years and years ago, people would have died. We have learned techniques to be able to resuscitate a person. They don't come back from the dead but they're resuscitated so that they were just on that where they couldn't breathe, but they haven't died, and we can resuscitate them. I remember a scary incident that I had as a child watching someone who was drowning, and he had basically a lifeguard dove into a pool, pulled him out, and, and basically was, was pushing on his chest, before I understood what CPR was, pushing on his chest, which I actually thought was really bad. I still remember he took the kid out of the water and, and literally 
put him on the pavement so hard that I was like, ow, that, like, I thought he knocked him unconscious. I thought the kid was, was lying like almost dead because the way he was slammed against the, the, the concrete. And then this guy's pushing on his chest. And I thought it was the most wicked thing because in my five-year-old mind, I thought this lifeguard was trying to kill this kid, knocked him unconscious, and that wasn't enough. He was trying to break his, his, his uh, ribs and try to puncture his lungs or something. This was what my five-year-old mind thought. I saw this act as the most wicked thing this man could do, and I thought he's supposed to be a lifeguard, and he was doing this. And only when I saw the kid spit out the water that I ended up realizing this man wasn't doing a wicked act. He was actually trying to save his life. And, and you know, when we think about that, there are times in our life where someone could be thinking something is so wicked, and yet it could be the most important thing that they ever have. And I want to share something with you that you may think is very wicked, and you may think I'm judgmental, but the reality is it could be the most important thing. In fact, it will be the most important thing you ever hear. And that is the fact that you and I both break God's law, and we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We deserve an eternal punishment because of that, and we deserve to suffer because we break his law. But... God made a way of escape. God himself came to earth and died on a cross, paid the punishment for us so that we could be set free. Now, I've been freed from that. I've had that good news where I thought something was wicked, and I now see it's great news. What about you? I may leave Justin to sit there and, you know, Peter. maybe I just push Thomas out of the way. Peter. Andrew Rappaport, who can move lightning fast, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Who wins? Chuck Norris. Um, I, I have seen Chuck Norris um, lose to uh, uh, one of the Gracies um, when they, he got choked out. Um, <laughs> so if you ask Chuck Norris versus Gracie, I, I know who wins that one. Uh, Chuck Norris versus me, Chuck Norris, even though he's a little bit older than me. So how do you go to the gospel from there? Is that what you really would like to know? Because yeah, it's really this simple. If, you, if, you're any, if you're on Facebook and you see all the memes, basically Chuck Norris is kind of up there like he is beyond Superman, right? You see the, the, you know, the things where it's like, I don't know if you saw the meme where it was like, you know, a, a thousand terrorists versus one Chuck Norris, Chuck wins. Um, and so people put him up there as if he's like Superman. But, you know, as, as great as Chuck may be, and by the way, Superman's not real, um, for some that don't understand that, uh, but because some people think they are Superman and, and, Chuck Norris may be one of the, the, the greatest, fastest, you know, people alive. And the reality is he's nowhere near the perfection of where God is. God is so perfect that even if you make memes about Chuck Norris being great and being able to, to take on thousands of people, there is one person who can take on the universe because he created it. Not only did he create it, he came into the universe to be part of his own creation so that he could die at the hands of his own creation for his own creation so that they could be set free from the crimes that they commit against him. Oh, no, I think this one goes to you, Jim. Go ahead. So you're not only saying that I have to go transition from a bottle of water, but I'm not allowed to say it's living water. <laughs> yeah, that's the easy way to go, living water. You know, the reality is, is that we can go about 30 to 40 days without food, but you cannot go three days without water. Our body will, will actually start shutting down. And I, I don't know if any of you have experienced extreme dehydration. I have. I used to train for marathons. 
I've trained for four marathons and ran zero of them. Closest I came was getting all the training done. I got food poisoning the night before. Wow, did that hurt. But I remember the first time I did a 22-mile run. Oh, let me correct that. A 21-and-a-half-mile run because at the 20-mile mark, my body started shutting down because of dehydration. I mean, completely shutting down to the point where I actually asked the guy. I saw, I saw this couple getting into their car, and I said, look, I got $5 in my car. My car's half a mile up the road. Please, if you, I'll give you 5 bucks just for a ride for half a mile. This was in New Jersey. The guy said, get in the car, honey, quick. And they drove off. <sighs> I couldn't walk. I was, I was literally my entire body shutting down. And what ended up happening is I saw a guy with a cross-country shirt on. So I was like, okay, this might be better. And I said, basically told him, I just did 20 miles. My body's shutting down. I need a ride. He's like, I'll, do, I'll give you a ride. Don't worry about the five bucks. You need a Gatorade? No, no, no. Just need a ride. I have a Gatorade in the car. But I called my wife and I said, listen, when I get to the house, uh, make sure my son, Tim, is, make sure Tim is outside because I'm going to need help getting in the house. My entire body shut down. When I got to the house, drove home, I literally just swung my feet out and fell out of the car into my son's hands. And he grabbed me and he and my wife uh, brought me back in the house. And basically, without the fluids, my entire body was shutting down. And there was nothing I could do to stop it other than getting water and getting rest. And without that, there's nothing I would have been able to do other than suffer worse and, and possibly even die because people do die from that. And the reality is, is that that is a perfect illustration of something that we all are going to face. Every one of us, though we try to do good things for people, there is a reality that we don't like to face. And that is that our, our physical body, like it can shut down with a lack of water. So does our spirit, our soul, will shut down when we face God on Judgment Day because we break his law. And every time we're breaking his law, we're heaping on more and more to us. And we're breaking that down to a point where we're going to have a list of offenses before God. And without living water, oh, wait, I'm not allowed to use that. Without what Jesus Christ did on our behalf, we will never be restored. One more. Linda. Hot peppers. They're bad for you. <laughs> I, I, I think you know, some people, uh, with, when it comes to peppers, can tolerate hot peppers. Uh, I had a friend of mine in Washington State. He used to always carry peppers in his pocket. I mean, the real hot jalapeno peppers. I mean, the hotter they were, the better. And, and what ended up happening, it was really interesting because he, never, he didn't start out with the hot jalapenos. He started out with smaller ones. And it just didn't give that same burn that he enjoyed. And so he kept getting hotter ones and hotter ones and hotter ones to the point where he would sit there at every meal and have four or five of the hottest jalapeno peppers he could find to try to get that, that feeling that he enjoyed of that burning flesh. I don't understand that, by the way. I told him he was nuts. But, but the reality is it was never enough for him. He just... He got used to one and he had to try to do more and more and more. And he kept pushing it until the point where there was no jalapeno peppers that were hot enough for him. And he, he couldn't enjoy any more. He kept, you know, wanting to have that burning sensation, which I don't get why, but he wanted that. But he became desensitized to that. You know, th that is something that we end up seeing with everything. I mean, we, we get, when we, do something, even though we may know we're doing something that's wrong, like no one wakes up one day and goes, you know, I think I'm going to uh, embezzle a million dollars from my company. No, they started off with cheating on a test in school, and they got away with it. So they tried cheating, you know, 
in, at the university level, and they got away with it, and they tried cheating a little bit at work. They got away with it, and they found a way to redo the account so that they can get a little bit, maybe $1,000, and they figured out a way they could do $10,000, and they figured out how they could do a million dollars. They never start off saying, I'm going to embezzle this much. They always start off small, and because they got used to one small step, they go to the next step, and they, get, and they always think they're going to get away with it. But the reality is no one actually gets away with anything. Every single one of us, though we're desensitized to it and our conscience is, is seared, so we, we tell ourselves that wrong is right and we don't want to think about it, the reality is every one of us knows we're accountable to God who's, who's going to judge us one day, and on that judgment day, he's going to judge it as sin. And because of that, he's going to sentence us to eternity in a lake of fire. But he made a way of escape. God himself came to earth, died on a cross, and died so we could be forgiven. Now, I hope you can now, see do you do some? how easy it is to go from Who wants Pastor Jim to do something? To the gospel. Okay, so, so, so my next question was, do we have so a volunteer Pastor to come up Jim, here? <laughs> from from this. Right. What is it? Well, this is the thing that controls the slides. The clicker that controls the slides or, you know. Okay, a clicker <laughs> that controls the slides. Um, here's how I would go about that. When we have something like that in our hands, whether it's a remote control or a clicker that controls the slides, we like to feel like we are in control of something. We are controlling something else. And even on my phone, I have a remote control that will control the thermostat in this room, and I have an app that will control the temperature in this room and every thermostat that's in the building. And it's nice that I can be somewhere completely distant away from everybody who is here and be able to regulate the temperature of this room. It gives me a, a feeling like I am in control of things. But the truth is that I'm not in control of everything or really of anything because there is a sovereign God who controls all things and under whose sovereignty and providence all things rest, including myself. And to that God, I am going to someday give account for my sin, just as you will. And how would you do on that day of judgment when God, when God evaluates your life according to his holy standard? And here is what that holy Good. standard is. Of course, you, you all now realize that if, like, next time he's at Shepherd's Conference and the building suddenly gets cold, you know who to blame. <laughs> So do we have any volunteers out here that would like to come up and take this mic and give this a try? Anyone? <laughs> it's okay if you don't. Nobody does. Okay. See, I, I, my suggestion was Aiden? to do it all at the, at the tables. Okay. We'll give Peter a shot at it first and then Aiden. Are you giving Thanks, him something? Lanny. Oh, I have to give him one. Well, I was going to give him the hat that he was wearing, but now I just read what it says, so we're not doing that one. <laughs> How about the clock in the back that obviously Jim needs to see very wide, you know, nice and big for him. <laughs> so as we think about the clock, and God has put on our heart that we're, we count our days, and we have a limited amount of time, and all of us know that there is only so much we can get done, and we're always striving uh, to try to have more time. In fact, our culture has made a whole um, economy around selling more time to people. And yet, in the same instance, taking that time from people with useless things for them to put their life in, only to have it um, finally come to an end, and they have to look back in their life and say, what was it all for? What are we here for? Where are we going? What happens when this time is done? And we know there's eternity. We have it written upon our hearts. So as we think about that eternity, where are we going to be spending it? Are we going to be spending it 
in a place where we're paying for our sins, or are we going to be spending it in a place where we're able to be glorifying the God who created us and put this attorney on our heart? And so in Ray Comfort's terms, uh, would you consider yourself to be a good person? So. Good job. Aiden, Aiden, do you still want? And talk about not being trust, trusting. I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> Okay. No, not again. Yeah. Not again. What was the first time? Not again. I did not hit you that time. I was swinging my hand and you put your hand like this. Because I knew you were going to hit me. I wasn't going to hit you. I know how to come close. All right. The music's saying behind you. We can use music to glorify God. <laughs> That's not the gospel. Wait a minute. God saved you from your sins. <laughs> She's more succinct than both of us. She's your daughter. <laughs> I'm reminded of that every day. Do we have any other volunteers? Justin? We could bring the mic to him. Justin? <laughs> Was Carol raising her hand to be a volunteer, or were you suggesting Justin? Oh, I was suggesting. <laughs> Justin, do you want to give a shot? Oh, no. We, we no, we don't have time to for you. that. Hold on. I'll, I'll bring it to you. <laughs> Nate, will be all right? Hold on. I got to get a report. All right. Give me a second here. Oh, yes, he's up to something. <laughs> from that picture, Justin. <laughs> well, as you can see in that picture, uh, Andrew has me in a chokehold. And all of us left to our own nature and choices are in the chokehold of sin. Our, our will is in bondage to sin and we can only do what our fallen nature uh, desires and that is always and only sin and it has a stranglehold on us and there's nothing that we can do to free ourselves from the grasp of sin and so God had to do something for us and what he did is he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth who lived a perfect life never broke any of God's laws whereas we have broken God's laws thousands of times but he never broke any of them, lived a life of perfect righteousness, willingly laid down his life on the cross, bore the wrath uh, that our sins have earned. He took God's wrath upon himself, died on the cross, raised from the dead on the third day, and broke the stranglehold that sin has on our lives and frees us if we turn from sins, repent from sins, and place our trust in him. Oh, yeah, I'm up to something. How did that happen? Who was... Who Justin! All right, he won. 
All right, so for the rest of this session on making the spiritual transition, <laughs> I wanted Andrew to talk us through what goes through his mind, how it is that your mind is working when you're making a transition from the natural to the spiritual, because we've seen that we can take everything from what your spouse packed you for lunch that day at the job site to even handing somebody a bottle of water, talking about peppers, and almost anything in between can eventually kind of swing around to a gospel or to a spiritual conversation. So when you start off at point A, do you always see immediately the point that you're going to? Do you always see that path immediately? Almost never. I I almost never know how I'm going to navigate the conversation. In fact, more often than not, I go in one direction and and then try to find a way to, without having disjointed thoughts, go to another direction when I finally figure out how I want to transition. So um, a lot of times you see me telling stories or something that's really just a delay tactic so that I can figure out how I'm going to do the transition. Um, because I don't always know how I'm going to do it. Now, one advantage I have from, because I play this so often, is I do a lot of repeat stuff, <laughs> which helps when I'm on the streets, because it repeats there too. And so I end up in a position where it's like, I remember something I've said before, and uh, that comes into play. So, I no, I don't have any idea at the beginning, excuse me, usually how I'm going to get there. The, different, the thing I, I want to do, though, is I wanted to make it conversational. You know, if I just do a quick jump in, the, in the, an attempt to a transition, it, it actually, I mean, Ray Comfort can, can realistically pull it off. I mean, no matter what you say, he can go, well, speaking of that, and just say, are you, you considering yourself to be a good person? He can pull that. I don't know how he does it. He pulls that off. But when, it, you know, what I'm trying to do is not make it seem like I'm not interested in what they're saying or in, in whatever it is they're, we're discussing, but to make it where I can get to the gospel but have it still conversational. So a lot of times when I'm just having a conversation with people, I'm trying to, to ask, you know, what they're thinking. So let me, let me give you a realistic example. Uh, I was, um, oh, where were we? I think uh, Redwood City, California recently. And we went to go out after a conference to hand out tracks. And I saw a girl with purple hair. And one of the things I learned is when people have like really colorful hair like that, it's like they're, they're looking for everyone to give them attention. So it's very easy to start conversations with them. And one of the things I always do with people like that is I'm like, I sit there, I'm like, I got to ask you, I mean, what do you do for a living with, that you can get away with having hair of that color? That's so cool. You know, and she said she's an artist for games. And so <coughs> I'm trying not to cough into the mic. So. I'm trying to figure like, okay, how do I get from video games to the gospel? I, I kept trying to figure a way to do that. And, and literally, just as I figured that she was talking about the game, I thought of the way to do it, all of a sudden, a guy that she was waiting for at the train station walked up, and it was lost, because now we weren't talking about, you know, wherever I was going to try to transition it. All of a sudden, he walked in, and she's just like, oh, there's some people I met, and I had, I had given her a tract, uh, but she hadn't read it yet. And so what ended up happening in that case was he ended up saying, so what are you doing in town? And I said, okay, this is how I'm going to transition then. Because the thing I, I'm trying to figure, like, how do I get back to the thing I thought of with the, with the video game? I just said, well, I'm actually an evangelist. And so I'm out here just trying to talk to people about where they spend eternity. And I, I said, you know, have you ever considered that? So there was an, an opportunity where I was trying to figure out how to drive the conversation where I had thought, and yet God opened up a much different opportunity. And so then I went into a good person test. But 
I don't know what goes through my mind ever to let. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's the air. Just. But. So sometimes you talked earlier about asking questions. Sometimes you take questions and use those to direct the conversation. Mm -hmm. You start asking questions about a subject until you see something that might appear. Yeah. I've heard you do this on the uh, rap report because I do listen to the podcast. How far behind are you? Um, about two weeks behind. Yeah. Not bad. But I've been listening to it all the way since the time that you interviewed me. And on that, on that interview, we played this you, game wait, and I gave I, him the, hold on a second. I gave him the, uh, example. I told him I'm, I'm reading. I gave him, I gave him two examples I wanted him to transition from. I got stopped on a train on the way home from work. And that was real quick to the gospel. I don't know how he did it. It was really quick. And that's when I whipped out the, I'm reading a book on 12th, the development of the rubber eraser in 12th century <laughs> Scotland. That was the one. And he just said, I don't believe you. You're a liar. That proves that you're a sinner and you need a savior. And that, was, <laughs> that was his transition. So, well, I did one good one at least. Yes. So I did. I, I hear you do this on the rap report when you have various guests on. You ask them to give you a subject and you, you make that transition. And sometimes you ask a question of them. You say, like you did with Seth. Tell me about what is Shrek about? What is the talking donkey? You, you're eliciting more information until a connection becomes available in your mind. Yeah. And though I can't see your eyes, I can't see how your mind is working, I can tell what you do. You'll ask questions until you get to a point where that, that you can at least see a path into that conversation. Is that true? Yeah, yeah that's, I do that. And, and in real conversations, that's what I do. Real conversations, I'm asking questions about them just to get to know them, just to, you know, I mean, like I did with Dutch with the, his hair now, and you know, it's just to get to know them. But the thing is, I want to try to transition things, and I don't always know how it's going to be. The more information they give me about themselves, the more I can try to figure out how to transition it. Um, you know, th there was one guy I remember uh, Washington Square Park. He had a tattoo, and I saw a tattoo. Um, actually, it was on this arm. That, uh, if I remember correctly, it said something like uh, "forgiven" or something like that, and. I said, hey, that's an interesting tattoo. What's, what's the meaning of it? And uh, I, I didn't say forgive him. I'm trying to remember. I forget what the one tattoo said. But he started to explain what it meant. And all of a sudden, I noticed on this arm, he had a tattoo of a girl with a date. And the date was one year apart. I realized that's probably more important. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Wh who's Maria? He says, oh, that's my sister. She died before I was born. What does that tell you about a guy who tattoos a sister he never met, right? Obviously, this had a major impact on the family. So I started opening over the, the discussion over the, the, his sister and how his sister's death impacted the family. And then from there, we got into discussing life and death. Uh, tattoos are a great thing to look for. I love people with tattoos. They're making a permanent statement. Now, some just do it for artwork nowadays, but if they have things tattooed on them. It's usually like a permanent statement they're trying to say. I love starting with tattoos. By the way, let me give you a little a pointer for sharing the gospel. Uh, the scariest person you see is going to be your best conversation. So Rich would be a great... Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, the, the, who, when you have someone that... You know, the business guy in a suit is usually the worst conversation you're going to have. You know, in New York, we talk to folks, if, if there's a guy in a business suit, I just ignore them. But if I see a biker or I see someone with like blue hair, you know, oh, I'm going to talk to them. If I see tattoos, you know, I'm going to talk to them. Now, clothing works well too. If you, if you have someone wearing clothing, but sometimes, you know, people just wear stuff and they have no meaning behind it. You know, I saw a guy that had a shirt and it said obey. 
And I thought like he was trying to make a statement with it. No, that was just the clothing line. And so that didn't quite work the way I thought. <laughs> and, and so sometimes that happens. And it's like, I had a plan when I saw him walking up with a shirt that said, obey. I had a plan on how I was going to transition. And I asked him, okay, so what's, what's the, you know, what's, what should I be obeying? And he goes, oh, I don't know. It's just a shirt company. And I was like, okay, well, that killed that one. And, and then because it was, it was, it had to be that quick, I didn't have anything else, and he walked off. You know? I've noticed in having listened to you do this a number of times that sometimes, or oftentimes, the subjects that are brought up to you are in certain categories, and they're in areas where your path to the gospel, you've already, you've already walked it so many times. Sports is a good one. Anytime somebody brings up a sports team, a sports analogy, a sports championship, a sporting event, your, your path to the gospel through that is always pretty much the same. No matter yeah. what sport it is, uh, a lot of cultural relevant issues are the same way. You kind of have a funnel that basically takes you to the gospel. Um, is, get, share with us an example of a time where you tried to do this and the person became aware that you were doing it hmm. and you absolutely failed. They knew, they knew where you were trying well, to already, go. Were you paying attention when I just gave one that Yeah, I got that one, but okay. he didn't know that you were trying to go to the gospel. Yeah, I don't know that I... I don't know that... If you don't have an example, that's all right. The only one I could think of, but it's not really... It wasn't really a transition because I started with a gospel tract. Um, there was one guy, and this was the... I've never met anyone like this before. A New Age Muslim. He told me he was Muslim, but everything he was telling me was like New Age stuff. And I was like... Okay, this is weird. Now, it started with me handing him a gospel tract, and I, he said, he asked what it is, and I said, it's a gospel tract. He says, it has good news of Jesus Christ. Um, do you know much about him? And he said he was a Muslim. Um, and so basically, I started to try to share. I didn't even get to the gospel with him because he, he basically was shutting me down. I asked him, this is what I ended up asking him. He says, well, I don't believe in Christianity. I said, okay, could you, could you explain to me what your beliefs are so that I can understand them. And so we sat down and we started talking and I kept asking him about his beliefs. And he eventually just said, look, you, you got an agenda here. You're just, you're just looking to, to hand out this literature and convert me to Christianity. And you're just trying to force your beliefs on me. And I, I said, excuse me, I'm asking you about what you believe. I haven't told you anything about what I believe. And he got really upset and he walked away. Now he, he felt that I had an agenda, by the way, I told you about the professor and cowboy dude. This is what happened just before that incident. Um, the other thing that was really funny that happened that day was I was standing on this little stool that was like this high. Now, my friend Mike Stockwell was on it. Do you know Mike? You know, so you know Mike's a rather big guy. He's a, a Marine. You don't want to mess with Mike, you know. And Mike, who weighs at least 100 pounds more than me, had been on that stool all day the day before, no problem. There were five people before me on that stool. Mike was on that stool. But when I was on the stool, and I was lighter than I am now at that time, I'm standing on the stool, and all of a sudden I feel a rumbling. Yeah, the stool completely shattered. I realized I would lose the crowd right away. I mean, they would have been laughing at me. I quickly made a transition. I quickly like just shouted out, man, Someone's got to lose some weight around here. Got them laughing, got them back engaged with me. Uh, after the incident with Cowboy Dude, that Muslim guy came up to me to apologize. 
He said, you know, I thought you had an agenda, but I've been listening to you. You were being fair with that professor when he was being rude to you. And I realized when I was watching the professor, that's how I treated you, and I, I, I didn't treat you rightly. He said, you know, I, I, I still don't want to hear a word you have to say. <laughs> but he said, I realized that, that you, you didn't have an agenda with me. You were trying to hear me. So that, that's a little bit of a failure. And so the very first time that Andrew and I met, Andrew took um, myself and Justin out to dinner, the steakhouse, and I sat down at the table with him, and Andrew did something that I am convinced if everybody sitting here did, it would be absolutely revolutionary. Tell us what that is, what you do, why you do it, and some of the experiences you had. Oh, I took Justin's credit card so he couldn't pay for the meal. <laughs> oh, well, no, that came out later. Okay, <clears throat> I, I have a thing, and, and if you, you listen to the, the Rap Report 2-Minute uh, podcast, um, I do have one where I explain this in two minutes. So we'll see if I can do it again. No. Uh, what I tend to do is this. I want to go to my waiters and waitresses. I want to be able to have opportunities, hopefully, to share the gospel with them. <clears throat> so one of the first things I do when I get to a restaurant um, is to ask them their name. They give me their name. And then once I get their name, I will, I will let them know either when they, when they take the, the drink orders or before, they order, before we take the order for food. So if they come to me and we're taking the food food order, I will I will now having their name. If I don't know the name up to that point, I ask them it. But I'll say, you know, Jill, we here, and this only counts if we're all Christians, we're Christians at this table. We're going to be praying for our meal, and I would like to know if there's anything I could specifically be praying for you for. Uh, if you need to think about it, that's fine. You know, just let me know when the before the food comes. Just let me know anything we can be specifically praying for you for. Now, I sometimes have opportunities to share the gospel. I, I, I started doing this because basically I started sharing the gospel. I used to be like, well, they got to work. So I got to share the, 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 the gospel in little segments. And I, I had a waiter once that I asked him, hey, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, what would that make you? A liar, okay. Comes back next time. Hey, have you ever stolen anything? I didn't get to the third question because I had a new waiter. I never got to the good news. He left. He was like, I don't want that table. I actually felt so bad. I'm like, I gave the new waiter a gospel track for him, and I gave a huge tip. Like, please, give this to the other waiter. I'm giving you a big tip, too. Like, I felt so bad. I, I didn't see the waiter the rest of the time. I mean, I kept looking for him, and I realized, that eh, it may not be the best way to go about this. <laughs> and so I came up with the idea of just asking their name and asking if I can pray for them. This is a, it, you will have crazy stories if you do this. I know because I do this. I mean, I have, I had one waitress that told me, she, she's like, she was like, oh no, I don't, I don't need any prayer. Okay, well, I'm going to pray anyway. I'm going to pray for her that we could be a blessing to her, that we might have opportunity to share the gospel with her. What I didn't realize was she was standing at the table while our eyes were closed. And when I opened my, my eyes and I looked, she, go, she looked at me and said, you really are going to pray for me. I said, yes, I said we would. She pulled up a seat and sat down. And just started unloading. Okay? I've had waiters and waitresses bring other waiters and waitresses over to our table. I mean, I've, it just, it becomes a great opportunity. And what all I'm doing is I just want to pray for them. And I, I just wait to see what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to try to leave a gospel tract with the bill. And if you're going to do that, please leave a good tip. The gospel tract is not a tip. Okay? If you leave just a gospel tract, it's an insult. And the million-dollar bill can't be spent, okay? 
I made the mistake once of leaving, Living Waters had this gospel track that looked like it was a $20 bill sticking out, and I took my son, and uh, we, I left that as the gospel tract, and the, the poor waitress thought that it was like my son, it was like graduation time, she thought he graduated, uh, and that this was his present, and he left it. She came running out after us, and I was like, oh no, no, that was a gift for you, it's not really money though. I mean, I left her a good tip, but I was like, no, okay, so I don't use those tracks anymore when I leave for waitresses um, or waiters. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, I do that all the time. Uh, you know, now, if, if I'm not with Christians, um, I may or may not do it. I may just say, I'm a Christian here. I'm about to pray for my yellows. Anything I could pray for you. Uh, depends who I go to dinner with. Obviously, you've heard enough of my story. I don't do that when I'm at dinner with mom and dad. Uh, that won't go over too well. So... Yeah. In some of those situations, is there value to having the same waitress week after week or month after month? Have you seen uh, opportunities where somebody has softened over the result of, over the course of time as a result of you yeah. doing that with them? Well, I think the only restaurant that my wife and I go to week after week, time after time, is a Chinese restaurant. And, uh, yeah, they have, they, they just, they nod heads and ignore you. So, um, and I know they know English. <laughs> so it's not that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I can't think of times where I really have a waiter or waitress that I'm going back to over and over and over. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. So our time is up for this session. So we're no, going to take we got a, one minute. a five minute break before the final session handling objections. So if you need to get up so, and get something. So let to me drink. give a plug real quick. In the back is a computer back there. Uh, if you guys want to sign up for our newsletter and find out where, where we're going to be and things that we're doing, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter there and you'll get an email uh, when we send it out usually monthly.